Hi, I'm Rachel Handler, and welcome to Lady Problems, where every Thursday, me and a rotating crew of ladies look at the way that pop culture has treated women in a given week. It's almost always terribly, and this week it's particularly terrible. We recorded this week's episode right before the election, in a simpler time when a violent, white supremacist, misogynist, xenophobic, KKK-backed, sexually predatory, unstable, dangerously unqualified demagogue was not yet our president. So while we don't spend the episode taking down Trump, rest assured that we'll do that next week. And in the meantime, we'd like to share an interview that we did with Anna Biller, who's the director of a movie called The Love Witch, which, appropriately, is about a woman taking down white men who've mistreated her. Please remember to take care of yourself, uh, and when you're ready, take action. Here are a few sites to visit and consider donating your time or your energy to. The American Civil Liberties Union, which works to defend individual rights and liberties guaranteed by the Constitution. That's ACLU.org. The NAACP, which works to promote the civil rights of people of color and to eliminate race-based discrimination. That's NAACP.org. Planned Parenthood, which is our country's leading sexual and reproductive health care provider. PlannedParenthood.org. And She Should Run, which is a network that's changing culture to inspire more women and girls to run for office. And that's at sheshouldrun.org. Everything is fucked up and terrible. Let's try to unfuck it up together. So this week, I'm here with my wonderful editor, Leah Beckman. Hello, Leah. Hi. Thanks for having me. And we're co-hosting with Anna Biller. Hi, Anna. Hi. And she's the director of this new movie called The Love Witch, and it's hitting theaters this weekend, and it's incredible, and everyone should see it. We will kick off today's episode with an interview with Anna about her movie and about how we can use witchcraft to solve the problems in our daily lives. Then we'll talk about whether or not artists have a responsibility to get political, whether in this election or otherwise. And later, we'll solve a lady problem about lying about your sex life for our friend Jessica. We really both loved The Love Witch so much, um, and I actually have the poster of it now hanging in my bedroom. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> my boyfriend bought it for me, the one that she loves men to death. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, that's bold of you. <laughs> it's so good. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like really something special. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to, for, for our listeners who may not have heard of it, do you want to sort of summarize the, the basic of it? Yeah, well, The Love Witch is about Elaine, who's a modern-day witch, who gets into witchcraft in order to get power in her life, and specifically to get men to fall in love with her so she can find the love of her life. And um, these sp- these spells and potions don't work too well, or actually they work too well, <laughs> <laughs> and the men can't really handle all of that love, and, you know, all this disaster happens. But Elaine is this gorgeous um woman she's very done up with her you know false eyelashes and perfect makeup and wardrobe and she's kind of like a fantasy kind of figure for women but she also has this very disturbing interior life that's been caused by living in a kind of a man's world and patriarchal culture and having to like field all these things coming at her and I I think a lot of men might see her as evil and women (laughs) might actually identify with her even when she becomes kind of sociopathic at moments in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and but the the thing that people are talking about the most about the this movie is not 
usually psychology, although women talk a lot about the psychology bit. In general, people are talking about the look of it because we shot it on 35 millimeter film using classic Hollywood lighting techniques, which are not used anymore. So it has this very vibrant color palette and it's got this beautiful kind of surface to it. Yeah. And we were just talking about this, like there's sort of a misunderstanding, not a misunderstanding. There's one way of understanding the movie. I've seen it described in a million different ways. Like it's a tribute to 70s occult chillers or it's a horror satire. It's erotic and it's vintage or it's an homage to exploitation do you want to talk a little bit about sort of like what you just like wanted it to be and what people are thinking that it is well you know i'm i'm using all of those influences very deliberately and directly in the movie and not in order to copy them or 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 to celebrate them but actually you, you know partly in order to show like how how you could use those elements but from a different point of view but even more than I'm using exploitation and horror references, I'm using references from classic Hollywood. So the story is coming from noir films completely. It's coming from films like *Leave Her to Heaven* or *The Locket* or *A Guest in the House* or some of these some some of these movies about um, mentally disturbed women uh, who are disturbed because uh, of being driven crazy by being women. <laughs> and this is mainly what the film is about. But you know, I like to use elements from movies that men have made in the past, and then to try to subvert them a little bit to show like how you can do it differently. You know, well, what, like, so what if there was a movie that was, like, let's say a, um, uh, Jess Franco movie, but it was uh, from a wom- the woman's point of view, and it was all about the woman's psychology and the woman's experience. Mm-hmm. And of course, none of those films were like that, but, um, I thought, well, that's very exciting because you keep some of the, the, the visually beautiful elements in. But I love the idea of being playful also in cinema. You know, you can be political, but I lo- also the, love the idea of, including female fantasy. We have so much male fantasy in the world because it's all superheroes and people battling and winning and, you know, dragons and this kind of like fantasy of naked girls. But like, what is the female fantasy element in fun films? Where do we get fun films? I mean, we get some chick flicks and things like that, but it's like, there's not that much female fantasy on screen. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that was my favorite part of the movie was just how fun it was. Like everything from the way that it looked, even like the cadence. I mean, every I, I can see why people would think it's an homage to something else. But what I really loved about it was just how um, like playful it was. And I think some of the choices that you make, even in costuming or lighting or whatever, actually are are political and they can actually be feminist choices. Mm. And and it's funny because the idea, for for example, of lighting her face so beautifully, you know, have, being so careful about her makeup or having so much of the movie play out on her face. When you're doing that in a movie, they, then you're really um, privileging the character's mind and her thoughts and her beauty and even really her spirituality. And that's actually kind of what almost you know, is part of what makes it fun. I think to watch is the idea that you're inside of this character and you're, you're kind of um, taking time. You, you know, it's like, you know, women getting dressed or, or you know, to go out or, or women, you know, reveling in their beauty. So much of how it's shot is about that. And it's not like about a man consuming her image. Right. I really loved also the relationship between the love witch and her friend, the interior decorator, um, <laughs> because like from the very beginning, she has kind of a nervous I think she says to her right away, 
oh, you're so pretty. I mean, I'm married. <laughs> I didn't mean. But it's like we've all, you know, you, even as women, when you meet another woman, even if you are straight or, you know, whatever, you, you kind of have that moment where you're just like so taken with another woman. Yeah. And I really loved that part of it, just like almost nervous to be- befriend someone. Yeah. And I think that, that this is kind of what the movie's about, too, is like this female identification with female beauty and glamour, mm-hmm. like this narcissistic female gaze, which nobody really talks about. So I think the misconception when people talk about it as exploitation is that they're saying that there's only one male, one gaze, it's a male gaze, it's a male voyeuristic gaze, and that's the only gaze there is. But what about all of the female viewers mm-hmm. out there? Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I don't we think they're for other women. Right. Every day. Yeah, women love to look yeah. at other women. They love to impress other women with their makeup and with their outfits and everything like that. And mm-hmm. I, I'm try- I was trying to make it more in that spirit. And of course, men are going to look at women in a certain way, no matter what, no matter how it's constructed. And, and the film, you know, allows for that too. And it's not like a, it's not like an angry feminist film at all. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, it's kind of like Sam Goldwyn said, if, you know, if I wanted to send a message, I'd call Western Union. You know, there is, <laughs> <laughs> there are messages, but, but I don't think a movie should be a manifesto. A movie is, is, is about pleasure and, uh-huh. it's, and it's about engaging the emotions and the senses. So, so it is from it is from my point of view, and I'm a woman, and I'm, I'm consciously a feminist, and so a lot of it comes from that. But also, I think there are places where male and female pleasure intersect, mm-hmm. you know, so totally. that everybody can maybe enjoy it for their own reasons. How did that relate when you were filming the sex scenes in particular? Like, talk about how you kept that female gazy because that really was interesting to me well there's only one sex scene and that that scene is shot you know partly from his point of view and, and he's been drugged by her he's been drugged so he's he's on hallucinogens and so the, the scene is filmed like through like kaleidoscopic lenses that are rainbow and and through like he's seeing her five images of her at once and and shot through glass so there's always like some kind of interfering with with showing her image. Also, there, there really aren't images of her by herself. There are always images of the two of them together. So the idea is that there's no, like, really room to just be voyeuristic mm. about her image. And, and when we do see her by herself, it's always her face. Right. So the idea is that when we see her face and we, we, we go into her eyes, there's a lot of shots of her eyes. We're seeing, you know, we're going into her eyes, her mind, you know, her power over him. Right. And I, so it's it's about her power over him, how she's seducing him and how she's controlling him. And I think that, that because that's so strong in the narrative that it's about her desire to entrap him and she's drugged him and she's trapped him. This is like, you know, that's that's where the narrative's going. The, the narrative isn't about like he's got this this hot chick or anything. It's like he's right. being destroyed by her. <laughs> well, and that's what's so interesting, like even as – um, she's destroying him. What I what I loved so much was how um, how much he could get away with. Like she's saying to them, like drink this goblet, and then they do, and they're like, "What was in that? Oh, you drugged me. It's okay." Which is an insane psychotic thing to do. But like they are so bewitched by her that even before the drugs take hold, they don't even really care that she's just completely slipped something into right. their drink and is like. You know, d- dangerous, obviously, but because she has these um, seductive powers, she can just like 
get away with they're right. they're allowing <laughs> it to happen. And I, I think in so many movies, we're so used to males being predators and drugging mm-hmm. women and raping women and taking advantage of women and, and killing them and cutting them up into p- little pieces and watching their bodies <laughs> being dragged away. Love it. And it's just All like, so, and it's so. I mean, it's just I so. I saw that one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's very. It's just so common. And again, I, the, I think that does something for men to feel, you know, that their anger towards women is kind of getting sublimated in that way. And we don't have too many movies where where women get to get the satisfaction of somehow, you know, getting power over man and, and sort of d- destroying him to get out her aggressions. Yeah, and, she's and, a you know, predator. <laughs> and she's a predator, but she's also, you know, she's getting revenge on all the men who have been mm-hmm. terrible to her, have abused her in her life, you know. Absolutely, yeah. I, I have heard you describe her as a sympathetic sociopath, and I love that. Like, <laughs> Because it, it, she is responding. You make that clear at the end of the movie. Like, She's responding to a life of abuse and mistreat, being mistreated by men. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's very much you know, part of the movie that it's, it's, it's all, the, it's all of the, the, the social, you know, it's, it's the consequences of the world that she lives in that's patriarchal and that has this like, social inequality. And, and so it's really like, you know, again, I take so much of my, of my inspiration from classic Hollywood. Um, you know, the pre-code movies had all these stories like that, you know, about women. And, you know, they're, they're, they're like, really evil. But, you know, y- you can see exactly why they became that way. A mm-hmm. movie like Babyface with Barbara Stanwyck, where she's just clawing her way to the top. But it's, right. it's the only way she can get to the top, you know. <laughs> but it's clawing her way there. It's yeah. just clawing her. Right. just real life, too. And yeah, right. just <laughs> u- using, you know, just using everything she's got so to, like, hoodwink men. And, and, you know, but you love Barbara Stanwyck in that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? Or like Marnie. I just watched Marnie too. Oh, Marnie! That Marnie was a really big influence on this film. Oh yeah. Yeah, we studied it not only for the, I not only studied it for the character writing the script, but also me and my DP studied the cinematography to that. Oh, okay, yeah, it's really similar. Now yeah. that I'm thinking about it, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And you've also talked about how the how the movie is like about this this idea that when we're little, we dream of these fairy tale worlds, and growing up and realizing how you know men just want are interested in sex and not really interested in that fantasy. But to me, like both of those are messed up messages that we're receiving, right? Like the fairy tale thing is kind of messed up too. I really don't know how messed up it is. I mean, I think it, it's like sort of a. I mean, it's kind of a. I think it's a normal thing to want the, the idea that you, if you would grow up and, and then you would be with a man that he would want to love and protect you rather than like rape you or humiliate you or, <laughs> or something. You know? I think it's. I mean, it's. I think it's very normal for girls and women to actually want if, if they're going to be with a man and living with him to have him be actually nice to her, respectful of her. I really don't think that Prince on a White Horse fantasy there's anything you know really wrong with it i really just think it is about having somebody to protect you and to love you huh. for yourself i mean i you know um you know i think any any woman who meets a man who's just you know, no matter how flawed he might be if he's basically kind to her and he basically loves her and he basically accepts who she is she's going to feel like she's found that handsome prince you know, women aren't really that critical of men as long as the men are nice to them. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's right. also all part of, like, I think probably most women have, or at least I did, like, have fantasies of being, like, a grown-up woman, you know, and everything <laughs> that that means. Like, you know, I like, I go to my job and I have my purse and I drive you my clack car. Clack around in your heels. I, yes, yeah. exactly. And I go and then I meet the man who also loves me. And, like, it's all kind of part of, I mean, maybe that part, like, tends to outshine the other part of the fantasy but I think I know what you're saying I think it's all part of like being a grown-up woman who like 
you know, yeah, makes you have your, decisions yeah, you and, have your life together. You've got your, yeah, you have your job, you have your man, you've got your whatever. Some, some women want kids and some, you know, they mm-hmm. want, you know, they want a career, whatever they want. But I don't think that that, I think that the outrageous thing about it is not that little girls, you know, want to meet their handsome prince. I think the outrageous thing about it is that, is that in the culture that we live in today, which is the rape culture, that, you know, the majority of little girls are going to become teenagers and find that most men not only don't want to protect them, but actually maybe sort of want to rape them, right. you know, damage them forever and have no problem with that. Right. Do you right. know? I mean, I think that that's really a harsh thing about growing up is, 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 is that a lot of girls are going to not, you know, they're, they're not going to escape uh, sort of, uh, you know, permanent damage in their teenage years. Yeah, man, it's so crazy to think about that the fantasy, like that's such another part of the patriarchy that the problem, that of course we assume the problem is that we grow up thinking that we should want the fantasy, but why isn't the problem that <laughs> the fantasy isn't wrong? It's that they right. are Well, like there's this, like, like there's this meme that I... <laughs> I never thought about it that way. You know, like there's this meme that I read online, which was like, um, how to prevent rape culture, you know, um, stop raping. Right. Stop raping women. So the idea is like, how do you... Pre- how do you, how do you prevent a rape? You know, they're always telling women, this is how to prevent a rape. You know, don't wear a short skirt. Don't, you know, go out late at night. So it's, it's like telling men, it's like, you know, don't rape someone. Don't, <laughs> right. don't, don't accost somebody late at night and grab them and, you know, don't, Absolutely. Don't, don't rape someone on your date. You know, just like, no, for sure. That's like my favorite. Rape like, is just cause don't, don't rape people. <laughs> seems so it's simple. Like, why is it, yeah. Rape. Like, why is it the woman's responsibility to prevent rape? She's not the one raping. Totally. That's like my favorite, like family family dinner party like pull yeah. up like I'm like but why don't we just tell boys to stop raping yeah <laughs> yeah no yeah. I'm with you right on that. you can so they, want so, your prince charming but you're so the serious so the serious part you. of the serious part of the love which is that you know obviously Lane has been raped and she's very you know she's 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 got like intrusive thoughts all the time about her abuse at the hands of men and she and then she openly talks about it at the end but the idea is that you know, this is like part of the text, and you would never have that in an exploitation movie. Mm-hmm. This idea of 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 really trying to bring bring in the the the, the tragic past history of a character because you because in an exploitation movie you, you you know women are whores and you hate them. Yeah, I mean, as an artist, do you feel do you feel a responsibility to make your art? Like political and and feminist. Or? Well, actually, I'm I'm kind of torn on that because 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 I feel a responsibility to be true to the art first, and you know the, the problem with that is I do like to be political wh- where I can, but it's like it's death to creating realistic characters if you're just trying mm-hmm. to be political because because the problem is that people are very complicated and they're not always politically one thing, and so sometimes people who want to see my work as only political. Um, we'll, we'll actually say we'll, they'll, they'll have a problem with my work because there's so many issues that come up which are, are messy, sticky, and they don't point in one direction. Mm-hmm. So I feel like when you're making art, you, 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 also, you really have a responsibility to the art, to make the art good. And <laughs> if there's room, and, and you know, the politics can make the art better. You know, if, if you have politics and you put them in, that, that actually, it's, it adds to the story. It, you know, you have a more clear point of view. But I think in a way, it's like our lives aren't just politics. Our lives are messy and sticky. And I think you want to create realistic characters and you want to show what characters really do. And one thing that's so fascinating about a movie like Marnie that you're talking about or a movie like Psycho is, is, how, is how complicated those female characters are and how they, you know, they, they, don't, you know, they don't always do the politically correct thing. Mm-hmm. They have their, their passions and their desires and, 
and their weird thoughts and you know <laughs> things and, and that's what makes them good characters yeah. so i think like sometimes what happens is that when people are trying to overly politicize their work is they get into these like um they, they write really bad scripts have you while you were writing the script did you ever have to like check yourself like oh well this i'm getting too too political this isn't something she would say or this is like off message i think the film is already like slightly skewed you know a little more towards the political than a lot yeah. of people would like because i think there's, there's actually a manifesto in language in the burlesque club scene <laughs> <laughs> i actually did that on purpose but but that's because that, that you know that is part of the story it's the idea that there's these teachers and they're teaching this ideology to these students and and, and so we hear a lecture mm-hmm. i mean nobody likes to hear a lecture though <laughs> so already that's a little too much but it, it, it isn't just a lecture it's a lecture within the story right but still it's still a lecture you know i think like it's funny because people don't you, you, you good writing you're, you're not supposed to lecture the audience but i kind of like to a little bit <laughs> <laughs> people are dumb they need to learn <laughs> exactly. no i just i just you know i just like the idea of teaching you know so it's you know what i mean i like i like the idea of being a teacher but you, you know again you, to make a really successful script you, you have to grab people emotionally and there's there, there is there's always the danger of losing your audience when you start to preach and you said before that the, you think the movie is like a mood ring for for its viewers what did you mean by that is that kind of like <laughs> well what i mean is that it, it, <laughs> and again because 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 the movie's about pleasure and it, and again it's about female pleasure for me but it's also can be about male pleasure and, you know, I, I built all that into the movie because, I, again, I'm not trying to make a manifesto. The idea is that people, wh- whoever, whoever they are, you know, the, 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 the film is a mirror of the audience. And maybe every movie is like that. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody, like, they read into it who they are and what their concerns are. So if somebody's like looking t- for a movie with, with a sexy woman and she's, there's a partial nudity and she's gorgeous and she's lit and shot beautifully and that's what they want out of that movie, that's what we're gonna, they're going to get out of, them, mm-hmm. out of the movie. But, those, but some of those viewer might, viewers might be a little bit bored because the text isn't going to be um, grabbing them emotionally, which is the text almost always grabs women emotionally. It doesn't grab men emotionally. So that, like... So it's like two hours of visual candy can, can become tiring, I think, sometimes for a male viewer. unless they're <laughs> Because I think that that's how people respond to movies is more emotionally. Mm-hmm. I and mean, some men can really get into it emotionally. So I'm not saying it's all men. I'm right. just saying, like, if, if they're close to it, if they're close to identifying with Elaine, which men aren't really asked to identify with female characters too often in films, they may not be used to it. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's always, any film's always going to be a mirror of the viewer. Absolutely. Okay, so now we have a segment called Your Lady Problems. We have a question from our friend Jessica, living in D.C., who's having quite the sex life issue. Hi, this is Jessica from Washington, D.C. My question is twofold. When are guys going to stop asking me when the last time I had sex was? Unfortunately, I have to always reply either that it's been two months or six to seven weeks or I can't remember. But in reality, it was probably last Friday night. So, and then my second question is, or my, because my question is twofold, when am I going to stop lying about it? Jessica, (laughs) girlfriend. Oh, you're a queen. I'm sorry you have to deal with these idiot men. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, okay, so the first question is when are men going to stop asking? I don't know if, I don't know. That's like, that's like what we were talking about. Like, it's embedded in the culture. Like, it needs to just not, we need to raise new men. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, why do you have to lie about it is what I'm wondering. Yeah. You know, it's like, why can't you just say, hey, I, I had some really hot sex last Friday night. <laughs> and then maybe that, you know, that might excite them or something. Yeah, that's the funny thing. I'm not sure what, um, as a not man, I'm not <laughs> sure what the right answer is here. Like, I'm not sure if they, if she thinks they want to hear, like, it's been so long. Or if they want to hear, like, oh, you're really, uh, you've been practicing. I don't, I actually don't know what the... Oh, interesting. I think maybe the right answer is it's none of your business. Ooh. Right, obviously. That's good. Do I think? Like, why do you, why do you, you know, if somebody's going to ask you a question like that, maybe that guy's history anyway. That's a good point. Or maybe it's just like, you're my first. (laughs) (laughs) Like every time, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's good too. (laughs) It's such a crazy thing to ask. Yeah, I would tell them, I mean, she should tell them whatever she is comfortable with, but... The truth is probably great. And also, if not the truth, then fuck yourself. I, I know. don't know. Get like, out of here. That's that's a good point, though. Like, I'm wondering if she, the men want to hear, like, what would they want to hear? Like, they obviously don't want to hear that she's a virgin, but they don't want to know that it's been. Well, I think I think they want to find out if she's a slut. Mm-hmm. I think that's why she feels like she has to lie. Mm. Right. That she's, like, used goods as of three days ago or whatever. Yeah. Right. And then like, what, what makes a slut? You know, there's not a definition. So any, it's different with like every guy would think a different answer. Oh yeah. Now I'm getting really mad. Jessica, just like say some crazy shit to them. I don't even know. (laughs) I don't know if I've also ever been asked that in a way that wasn't like a boyfriend or someone asking me about, like we're having the conversation about our past or whatever. I, I don't think I've ever just hooked up with someone who's said, in the heat of the moment right. or whatever. When was the last time you had sex? That's so strange. By the way. Right. Huh. Yeah, I think... Okay, so Jessica, you're living in Washington, D.C. I think that's a trash town and you should leave. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the <laughs> south? Is it right. the east? Who knows? It's not it's even human? in a state. Like, what the fuck are you doing in D.C.? That's your problem. <laughs> no, that's really, like, massive bullshit. I think... I mean, what's, like, a, another funny thing that she could say besides the two <laughs> great answers that we've already come up with? Mm. We, we go back to the your dad theme that, of last week like your dad last night what? <laughs> yeah I, that's a, yeah, probably that's my good, go to I, that's, joke. that's good, that's a good <laughs> your dad last night I like that <laughs> or your mom I'm not discriminating against yeah, your mom sure. could be anyone or she should just look him dead in the eyes so seriously and say you don't remember <laughs> that's As good they already have yeah that is good Leah <laughs> that's twisted and I like it um, yeah, I think in terms of stopping lying about it, Jessica, like that's, I think you should just stop now because you can be part of the revolution. The more men that you sleep with in DC <laughs> and just say ridiculous shit to, maybe you will help stop the terrible sex culture in Washington, DC. <laughs> and then in the future, you won't have these people asking you these questions. Right? I agree. Yeah. You be the change you wish to see in Washington, D.C. In your sex life. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very political podcast. This I know. Just talking about D.C. Oh, be the change you wish D.C. <laughs> no. That was really good pun. <laughs> I liked it a lot. No one comes here for the puns. I do. I'm here for the puns. So remember, you guys can always call and leave us a message about literally anything. We're here to answer all of your queries. Call us at 205-677-5239. That's 205-677-LADY. And what constitutes a lady problem is totally up to you. 
And that that's our show today. So, Anna, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. Do you want to do like a little, here's where you can see the Love Witch call out for our listeners? Do you know like what cities and all that? Yeah, so the Love Witch is opening this Friday, November 11th, mm-hmm. in a bunch of theaters, including Los Angeles, San Francisco, Berkeley, and a lot of the West Coast. And on November 18th in New York and on the East Coast and Midwest. Perfect. So um, you can go to the website oscilloscope.net and look up the Love Witch, and you can find all the screening times. Amazing. And everyone should see it. This movie is life-altering. Go see it. It's so good. Okay, well, thank you again, Anna. Thank you. And thank you, Leah. Thank you. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. This episode of Lady Problems was produced by Michael Catano, James T. Green, Mukta Mohan, and Kasia Mihailovich for the MTV Podcast Network, with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts.